All right, Acts. Let's look at Acts, get a word from our sponsor this morning. Acts chapter 2, if you're new or visiting, these are very important principles that we're going to touch on this morning. Actually, I'm going to actually repeat principle number one that we talked about last week. And uh, I looked up some information. They say that basically you have to hear something 7 to 15 times before you comprehend and apply it to your life. 7 to 15 is the average. Um, how much of what we hear is absorbed? And so I went on the internet, looked up some different things, and basically found this commonality. Most people usually only remember about 17 to 25% of things they listen to. 17 to 25%. Are men or women better listeners? How many of you say men are better listeners? Raise your hand. Don't be afraid. A lot of you people are afraid. I mean, that's... How many of you say men are better listeners? You say, okay, how many of you say women are better listeners? Okay. Research shows that men only use half their brain <laughs> to listen while women engage both lobes. <laughs> I love it. There you have it. I believe in science. <laughs> Pretty interesting. But as I was reading these articles, it is very interesting how they, they really encourage language and learning the language and this, that, and the other thing. But in school, starting at very, very young, they really don't have classes on listening. And in our marriage discipling, in my own personal discipling and counseling people, um, I always emphasize that. There's a difference between hearing and listening. Huge difference. And we have arguments because we're hearing and we're not listening to the other person trying to surrender. <laughs> we just keep nailing them. <laughs> it's more fun to nail somebody. Oh, Lord, we just thank you and praise you for your goodness and your faithfulness. And Lord, we do need to hear from your word. So just don't just give us ears to hear. Give us a mind to listen. To listen to evaluate and implement your truths into our lives. Father, the world is pressing in so many lies into our eye gates and ear gates, trying to get us to believe so many false lifestyles, so many false opinions that are anti-God, anti-Bible. So, Father, we're here this morning to hear from you, our loving Heavenly Father. And not just again, not just to hear, but to listen and then via your Holy Spirit to apply these truths. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, let's look at Acts chapter 2. And uh, let's pick it up in verse 40. We're going to focus just on verse 42. And with many other words, Peter testified and exhorted the crowd, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who were gladly, then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. And again, if you're new or visiting, this is Peter's first, or anyone in the church, his first sermon, any, the very first sermon of the church. 
And we made note that Paul referenced the Old Testament. Very, very important to realize that. Peter is now not talking about his flesh, but now he's talking about the scriptures and he's leading people to God via the scriptures, which is very important for you and I, as I had a couple Mormons last night, a couple girls come and knock on the door and we just started talking about the Bible and they had to excuse, I think we have something else we need to do. Well, just remember, God loves you and what you do with Jesus. He's not the spirit brother of Lucifer. He is God, the only son of God. You need to know and you need to know verses to lovingly challenge them as I challenge them to read the book of the Gospel of John. How are you saved? Well, we're saved through water baptism. No, no, you're not. That is not a biblical truth. That's your Mormonism telling you that. You're saved by grace through faith, that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. So you don't beat them up. You don't intimidate them or harass them. I even said that to them. I'm not, I'm not trying to do anything weird here. I just, you got to know the word. Nobody's going to stand with you in front of God. Joseph Smith, the Pope, nobody. It's going to be you and God. So do, make sure you know what you're doing with Jesus. It's the most important decision you'll ever make in your whole life. And so Peter here says, and they, or the word says, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. Four things. In fellowship, in the breaking of bread, and in prayers. So again, last week we went over principle number one, the word, but we're going to do it again. The words continued steadfastly. That phrase carries with it in the Greek grammar a tense of a present participle. And you can get to the books. I'm not a Greek scholar if you're new or visiting. You can figure this all out. The present participle expresses continuous or repeated action. Also, it signifies action that is contemporary, which means do it today and continue to do it every day. Brush your teeth once a week, once a month. No, brush your teeth just once a day. Minimum. Maybe two or three times would be more helpful. And so it's that, it's that repeated action, the continuous action. Without even thinking about it, you then get into the habit automatically in the morning. Toothbrush, toothpaste. At night, toothbrush, toothpaste. Maybe after a meal, toothbrush. It's just, you just do it. Why? Because you allowed a habit to be created in you that's a good habit. These four principles that we're talking about here, they're not going to be a quick fix. Again, if you're newer visiting or especially you young people, I greatly encourage you to do these four habits. You see, for these, for, you know, do these four things over the next three months and everything will be okay. It doesn't work that way. It's a lifelong commitment. And I encourage you older saints. Um, who are in cruise because you've left the workplace. And so when oftentimes we get in our mind, you know, well, since I'm in retirement in the workplace, I guess it just kind of slides into my whole life. I'm just going to retire from mentoring. I'm going to retire from going to extracurricular activities at the church. You know, that's for the young people. No, 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 no. That's for the flock, young and old. Reading the Bible, so important. You see, in our current culture, we expect Instant gratification. If you don't think this is true, if we have to wait more than two seconds for a web page to populate, we can become frustrated or anxious. You see, people in America have adapted their lives to having it now and having it their way. And it's not mature. And most of us in this room would agree with that. 
I mean, you're seeing articles today where people are going crazy in fast food restaurants, throwing their food at the person that they just got. You didn't make it right. Really? Is that the mature thing to do? We know it's not. But do we, here's for you and I, make it personal now, do we exemplify that? Do we exemplify immaturity in our own lives? In dealing with other people? In dealing with our mates? In dealing with our children? You know, even though we know maturity takes time and effort, most believers, most believers put little effort into the spiritual maturity. You see, spiritual maturity is a lifelong process that deals with our hearts on a daily basis because every day, you and I, we all face choices and decisions. Every day, our hearts and minds are pulled in various directions. So as I read this, and if I've implemented in my life and encourage anyone that I disciple, any marital couple or single guy or married guy, without the daily reading of the word, Our focus is easily lost to the cares that are going on around us. It's just fast-paced, guys. Watching a show last night, it was just like, man, we are so spoiled. Belarus, poverty, living day-to-day, hoping that they can survive that day, spending their money. It was crazy. Spending their money on lottery tickets. They don't even have money to spend. But they believe if they get lucky and win the big one, that they'll be famous. And, and it talked to one of the men that won the big one. He won 50000 It was gone within a matter of months. And he's spending more money on the lotto. Guys, we're blessed. We are so blessed. It's so easy for you and I to get sidetracked with so many things, our careers, our hobbies, our families. We can elevate our children, our grandchildren, above the word of God. No, never. Don't ever let that happen. None of us. Love my kids. Love my grandkids. Love them. But no, the word of God I love more. Kids come and go. The word of God is going to be forevermore. So guys, for you and I, we got to be in the Word of God. Let's look at Psalm 1. Psalm 1. Because David gives us a wonderful example in the book of Psalms. Again, if you're new or visiting, I encourage you to grab a Bible. It's not so much what I say. I really try to reference scriptures here at this church because it's what the Word of God says. I just try to encourage you, exhort you, maybe even rebuke you if necessary. That's in the Bible. A loving, gentle rebuke, a kick in the pants. Psalm 1, blessed is the man, and that word blessed there is plural for happy, who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, or we could say the word of the Lord. But his delight, and we talked about that last week, do we delight in the word of God? And I mentioned last week that we got an opportunity to start in Matthew 1.1, and now we're in Matthew 7 already after 7 to end. Like, yeah, this is so cool already in Matthew. You've already been on the Sermon of the Mount, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. You were there, and those of you who visited Israel, man, your mind's just going, 
Wow, I was there. I remember that. I can see the hill, the Sea of Galilee. It's just, wow, vivid. It's color, 3D, HD. It's incredible. But is your delight, is my delight in the law of the Lord? If it is, it's not just reading it, but the psalmist gives us a very important principle here. And in his word, he meditates day and night. Now, I always have to say this because it's very important because some people get this idea that we're, you know, as Christians, maybe we're supposed to go to work and evangelize. We're just supposed to quote Bible verses. Let me tell you right now, right here, right now. No, you're not. You are not paid to do that. Whatever job you're paid to do, you do that job to the best of your ability on your break, your lunch, after hours, before hours, that's fine. But when you're punched on the clock, you be the best Christian witness that you could possibly be by being diligent. And if the Lord opens that door, you say to that person, you know, I'd like to talk to you more about this after work. Or let's meet for lunch. And then you're back to work on time. Not using your Christian witness as an excuse to extend your lunch break. Not a good witness. But you and I, we should meditate in our free time, in those down times. In those times when our mind is just going crazy with bizarre thoughts. But what are we going to do? There's a presidential election next year. What are we going to do? And you just start going crazy. Take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. God is in control. Meditate on the word of God and say, you know, God, 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 God. You're in control. You raise kings up. You bring kings down. I'm leaving it with you. I'm going to pray. I'm going to register. I'm going to vote. But at the end of the day, I'm going to leave it with you. i got too many other things to pray for. And you start praying for your family. You start praying for your children. You start praying for your co-workers. Why? He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season. As, as we know, a tree, it needs time, time, and time to grow, to create shade. A fruit tree needs time. Christians, we need time. You're not going to mature if you don't give God time. And Sunday, that's nice. That's not enough, as you're going to see. It's not enough. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bring forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. Let's look at Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2. And again, the team always does a great job putting these slides up. So if you're not familiar with the Bible, look in the front. Every Bible typically has a table of contents in the front. Don't be afraid. Don't be embarrassed. Learn your Bible. Learn your Bible. So Colossians chapter 2 says, again, this idea of maturity, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith. Just using those two young gals yesterday. They didn't, they couldn't answer my simple questions. And I wasn't, and I told them, I'm not embarrassing you, I'm not harassing you, I'm not trying to make you feel, you know, I just, you don't know the Bible. And you're trying to tell me how to get to heaven? You don't know the Bible. Guys, you have to know the Bible enough to lovingly tell a person, it's my eternity. And this is what's gonna happen. How about you, Joseph Smith? I don't want to talk about Joseph Smith. Let's just stay focused on Jesus. 
Let's just stay focused on the Bible. I'm not going to argue with religion with you. They wanted me to do No, 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 no. We're not going there. It's just about Jesus. Your Jesus is a different Jesus than my Jesus. Bottom line. He's not the spirit brother of Lucifer. He's the son of God. That threw him for a loop right there. But then just saying, Ephesians 2, 8, 9. You know, you're knocking on doors. It's going to get you nowhere. Your eternity is at stake. Because you have to be rooted. I have to be rooted and built up in him. And established in the faith. Don't be afraid. They're not afraid. They come knocking on your door. It's your door. What are they doing on my property? Do you notice they're not afraid? But for some reason, we get intimidated and fearful about sharing the gospel with them. That's the enemy. Fear neutralizes faith. The enemy doesn't want you to share the truth because the truth will set them free. We have to share the truth to the best of our ability in a loving way, not a condescending way. As you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Beware, lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit. According to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. You see, the word will establish the believer in the faith, and there is no other way around it, guys. There is no other way around it. Yes, you will get nuggets here on a Sunday morning. You come 52 weeks a year, great. That's wonderful. It's not enough. If you cannot talk biblically to a Mormon, a Jehovah Witness, a Muslim, a Roman Catholic, whatever, if you cannot intellectually, biblically explain to them how to get to heaven, it's not mature. You may not like me saying that, but it doesn't matter to me. You're not mature in the faith. You've got to become mature in the faith. Because billions of people are relying upon their own religious leaders to teach them, spoon feed them, instead of reading the Bible themselves. When they find out, your coworkers find out that you really believe this thing and you, really, you mean you read your Bible every day? Well, yeah, it's a manual. When they hear that, that's going to cause something in their heart to go, man, this guy's serious. Man, this woman's serious. Wow, and their life shows it too. It's amazing. They don't laugh at the dirty jokes. They don't swear. They used to, but they don't anymore. They notice change. But you want to be able to let them know how that change is taking place because I wash my mind with the water of the word. I wash my mind. I wash my mind. Let's put up another slide to show to show you the relevance of this. You see there's 60 minutes in an hour. There's 24 hours in a day. So that equals 1,440 minutes in a day. So 1% of the day is actually less than 15 minutes. So let's just say 1% of the day is 15 minutes. So... You come to church, you sit in church, we sing, we pray, we praise, praise God, we hear the word of God. What percentage of that, what percentage is that? 15 minutes into an hour and a half goes six times. 6% of one day, of one week. If you're living your Christianity on 6%, of one day, of the whole week. It's not healthy. Try eating one meal for a week. See how you do. It's not going to be good. 
So that's why it's really important to do self-evaluation. Am I reading the Word of God? Young people, when I received Jesus 17 years old, 17 and a half, this was pounded into my head by the 26-year-old man that was mentoring me. I would talk to him and say, well, where is that in the Bible? Come on, Gene, give me a break. No, where is it in the Bible? If you're going to say it, you better be able to back it up with a scripture. And that, you know, provoked me. It, it got me mad at times. It got me frustrated. But you know what it also got me to do? Search the scriptures. And that's how I ended up finding out, out of my Catholic Bible, and again, I'm not bashing any church. Let's be mature enough to talk, maturity, that out of my Catholic Bible, our Catholic church was contradicting our Catholic Bible. And that's why I had to leave the Catholic church. Not because they were bad, but because there was just contradiction. And so when somebody comes and knocks on your door and they offer you a contradiction, you've got to be able to say, no, no, that's a lie. You calling me a liar? Yes, that's a lie. I lovingly want you to know that's a lie. But that takes the word of God. So I encourage you guys. The second principle of the early church, they continue steadfastly in apostles' doctrine and fellowship. Fellowship. Right now, we're not fellowshipping. This is monologue. Fellowshipping requires dialogue. So the second principle of the early church was fellowship. Fellowship has always been vital in the life of the believer, especially when persecution takes place. Believers need, and believers in America are going to find this out more and more, Believers need to be around others who have a similar Christian desire and goals. Philippians chapter 2. If therefore there is any encouragement in Christ. I'm just going to read these because we're running behind. But I encourage you to write them down. If therefore there is any encouragement in Christ. If there is any consolation of love. If there is any fellowship of the Holy Spirit. If there any affection and compassion. Make my joy complete by being of the same mind. Maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. In 1 John 1, 7, we read this. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. Has there been a time in your life as a believer when you were in sin and another believer didn't want to hang around you? Or if they were hanging around you, you felt uncomfortable yeah that's reality that's because they're in the light and you're not walking in the light not talking about salvation get mature get it off the table just talking about sanctification or everyday walk and you're uncomfortable you're feeling uneasy and you go man i need to get back to jesus this guy's making me uncomfortable you got to get in the light we got to stay in the light all of us If we do that, we'll have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sins. You see, it's often been said, my parents said it, I said it to my children, I'll say it to my grandkids. And most of the time it's true that a person will usually become like the one they're hanging around or listening to. And that's why parents, young people, That's why parents are so concerned about the friends their teenagers choose to make. But is there a scripture to back that up? I'm so glad you asked. 1 Corinthians 15, 33. 
Not 34, my mistake, should be 33 only. Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. Encourage you to memorize that verse. 1 Corinthians 15, 33. Do not be deceived. Yeah, but they said they love me. I'm going to win them to Jesus. Gals, don't ever go down that road. Never go down that road. You will be so sorry. He doesn't love you. He lusts you. Get the right term down. Separate. Make sure that he comes to know Jesus before you date him. The third principle is breaking bread together. You see, in that day, that meant having communion or going to church. You see, church attendance in America, as I mentioned about a month ago, has and is continuing to decline. People will say, well, I don't need to go to church. I can spend time with God anywhere. And that second part is a true statement. First part is not a true statement. Second part, or third part, is another true statement. They're all hypocrites there anyways. Exactly. And you're one too. So feel free to just join on in. You'll fit right in. You see, we notice in the Gospels that Jesus was in regular synagogue attendance. Jesus. Why did he need to go to church? He created the church to be our example. Not once a month, not twice a month. He was in regular synagogue attendance. He was also, we're going to see in in Acts, the book of Acts, the believers are gathered on a weekly as well as a throughout the week basis. Acts 20 verse 7, which we'll get to, says, Now on the first day of the week when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul, ready to depart the next day, spoke to them and continued his message until midnight. Not a 30-second homily. Hours. 1 Corinthians 16, 2 says, On the first day of the week, which would have been Sunday, and that's why we gather on Sunday, on the first day of the week, let each one of you lay aside something, storing up as he may prosper, that there is no collections when I come. And then in Hebrews 10 it says, And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as we see the day approaching, as we see the Lord's return approaching. Third principle. Fourth principle. And they continue steadfastly in apostles' doctrine and fellowship and the breaking of bread and in prayers. The fourth principle is that the early church spent time in prayer with one another And this is probably the most neglected area in the life of the church. And it's probably why there is very little power in biblical Christianity today. You see, prayer is what gives us the ability to speak to the creator of the universe and hear from him what we, what I, should do. You see, if he can handle the universe, could he handle our situations? If we say yes, maybe we're saying it yes flippantly. Because do our actions follow that? Do our beliefs follow that? It's been taught that belief affects behavior. So if I'm running around like a chicken with his head cut off, and I say that belief's got it, God's got it under control, my actions, my behavior, is not justifying my belief. So something's got to change, either my beliefs or my behavior. 
So it's my behavior, not my beliefs. I go to trust in God. Can he handle my situations? I, I will absolutely say yes, every single time. It's taken me many, many years to get there. But as you mature, you'll get there. Just keep reading the word of God and trusting in him. And when you study the topic of prayer, you will find that it is the key to any content believer in the Bible as, when he, as well as any Bible-believing Christian could today. We'll wrap it up with these verses. Philippians 4. Turn your Bibles to Philippians 4, 6 through 7. Prayer is so key. Could we do more of it? Absolutely. Could I do more of it? Absolutely. I don't spend two, three, four hours in prayer, just so you know. We could all use more time in prayer. Absolutely. So don't beat yourself up. There's no guilt or condemnation here. This is a teaching on principles and encourage you, exhorting you, let's, let's do what we should do. Could we, could we do more? Yes. Well, then don't use that as an excuse to not do nothing at all. But rather say, okay, I could do more, but what am I doing now? Lord, don't let me use that as an excuse. Yeah, I could do more, but what am I doing now? So Philippians 4 says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God. Notice what happens, guys. Notice what happens when we pray, when we intercede. This is so unique. If the world would just accept this, drugs would plummet. But no, I need a drug to take away my anxiety. No. No, no, you need the word of God. And if you do need medication, I'm I'm not saying get off your medication. If you're under a doctor's care, I'm not knocking that. Painting with a very wide brush so nobody take this to any extreme. Saying as a whole, as a whole society, we've taken drugs to the extreme. That's totally, that's not what they were for. Some people need it. I totally get that. There's no condemnation. But how many of us wouldn't need anything if we just took everything to God in prayer? Again, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, again, very specifically, prayer is general prayer. Lord, bless the Sunday school. Supplication is, Lord, bless Johnny's teacher. She needs a lot of patience this morning. So prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. And Lord, thank you for that Sunday school teacher. Let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And the peace of God. When I say I remember, I don't remember. I just know it as a fact. Four years ago, the whole thing started. The debates, and people were so anxious, and what's going to happen, and this, and that, and the other thing. Oh, we need to do this, we need to do that. How about if we trust in God? How about if we just trust in God? Because here we are, four years later, going through the whole process again, and people are getting all wound up again. You know, as believers, let's let God give us understanding in our minds and guard our hearts and minds through Christ Jesus to know that he's going to take care of us. To know that he's going to take care of us. As the music team comes up, I just want to do this to wrap it up. I'm going to do a pop quiz right here, right now for everybody. Individually, don't zip up your Bibles, pay attention. We're going to do a pop quiz. Only you and only you are going to know the answer to this pop quiz. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm not going to ask you to tell anybody else. But if you take four, and I do this with everyone that I work with, if you take the four and you divide it into 100%, What do you get for each thing? 
25%. Okay? So let me ask you, let me do this pop quiz with you and see how you do. Okay? Again, this is not out of condemnation. This is not out of manipulation. This is out of a person who loves Jesus and encourages you to love Jesus. And this has worked for me for 41 years. So give it a year and tell me that it doesn't work. But don't tell me it doesn't work in your mind before you even try it. Because it does work. So if you take four, you divide it into 100, you get 25%. Okay, so on a daily basis, on a daily basis, regular basis, not out of guilt, not out of condemnation, not out of duty, not out of legalism, so don't even bother thinking that because it has nothing to do with it. Are you reading your Bible from Genesis to Revelation on a regular basis? Genesis to Revelation on a regular basis. Okay? Number two, are you fellowshipping? So they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. Are you fellowshipping with like-minded believers on a regular basis? Again, this is not fellowship. So this doesn't count. So marriage enrichment, home fellowship, maybe being mentored by another believer, uh, having lunch on a regular basis or a breakfast or doing something with another believer. Are you doing that on a regular basis? The Bible says iron sharpens iron. We need each other. When you sharpen iron, it rubs, it gets hot, it's irritated, but the iron gets what? Sharp. Sharp. Are you fellowshipping? Third, so they can, apostles doctrine, fellowship, and the breaking of bread. Are you at church? You guys got that one. No problem. You're here. All right. You got 25%, which is really only 6%. Just want to make sure the test is graded accurately. We don't, we don't grade on a curve here. This isn't modern day universities with safe spots. And in prayers, number four. Are you praying on a regular basis to your God on a regular basis? Five, 10, 15 minutes a day on a regular basis. Three, four, five, six times a week on a regular basis. There you go. You just took a quiz. You might not like the answer, but it's your answer, not mine. Don't blame me. I'm just here to encourage you. Change that answer. Raise it if it's 25%. Raise it if it's 50%. Raise it if it's 75%. You'd tell your teenagers, what's with this 50% here? Oh, that's oh, that's fine. You got, you got two out of the four, right? That, good job. University will accept you. You'll be fine. We don't do that, do we? No, we tell our children, you want to go on in life? Would you apply yourself, please? Careful, those fingers pointing back at you. Always point like this. (laughs) Father, we thank you and praise you. Lord, apart from your Holy Spirit, I would fail the test. It's not my good ambitions that have kept me these years. It's only your Holy Spirit. So, Father, I give you all the credit for stirring my heart to read and to fellowship and to be at church and to to be in prayer meetings and to pray with my wife and to pray with my kids and to have my own private prayer time. It can only happen through the Holy Spirit. This isn't a pep talk. This is not self-will. This is surrender. 
So, Father, help us as believers this morning to take the test, to take the answer that we got, and to kick ourselves in the pants, to invite your Holy Spirit to raise the grade, to invite your Holy Spirit to give us that desire that we we say we have, but we don't follow through on. Because, again, this is not self-will. This is the Holy Spirit. Father, your word Jesus taught, if ask, seek, knock. If you ask for more of the Holy Spirit, my Father will give you more of the Holy Spirit. So Father, fill us afresh, fill us anew with your Holy Spirit that we might do those things that you would have us to do, that we'd be established in the faith in these wicked days that we're living in that we'd be able to give every man, every woman an answer for the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. In Jesus' precious name, amen. When we all stand, guys, God bless you. Have a great day. And again, be encouraged and strengthened. If you need prayer for anything, please come up. We'd love to pray for you. God bless you guys.